Okay. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast, our What the Friday edition. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And a special guest today, That's Matt Gannon. There you go. <laughs> Matt is joining us via phone. So we and we are recording this via Zoom in Raleigh and Wilmington, North Carolina. So, um, but we wanted to have a special episode because after many conversations, if you've been listening, if this is your first time on the podcast, welcome. If it's not, you know, we've been following the current events along with what we've been calling the C word, um, which to be honest, we're all a little tired of talking about, but we know that the information coming out needs to be told that there is a lot of information that's been suppressed and we want to make sure every side of the conversation is being represented. And that's one reason why we decided to start this podcast was we knew that there was information out there that has nothing to do with your political ideologies. It doesn't matter what you believe or where you stand or how you vote, that the truth is the truth. And we are three ladies on the search for the truth. We want to hear from real life experiences, people who have really been fighting this, what they're learning, what we're learning. That's one reason we wanted to have Matt on the show. So I don't know, Matt, Kristen's got to know Matt. So this is where I'm going to turn the show over to her and let her make the introductions. And I think this is where, where we say social media is a blessing and a curse uh, because I actually found Matt and his story because I saw comments on a post from a anesthesiologist here in Wilmington and someone asked what are your thoughts on ivermectin I have and I, I cannot remember she said I have a friend or she saw this story and she did a screenshot of Matt's post and she said that his wife completely turned around once she started using ivermectin so of course I'm like, oh, well, let me go look at Matt's page. And um, that is where I saw, you know, his story. And he said, I, we used a protocol. I mean, I saw, you know, a lot of your posts, Matt, and that you left your phone number. I was like, oh, well, let me send him a text because I wanted to hear straight from the source, you know? I mean, we know these things are happening, but a lot of people aren't talking about it. So, and I was so thrilled, Matt, when you texted me back and we had a great conversation. I heard your story and uh, my mouth dropped several times, um, just in shock with how difficult this was. And I'll just let everybody just hear what happened and your journey. So Matt, um, so I will shut up. I know that's hard for y'all to believe, but I will close my mouth and Matt, I will let you talk. And Matt's wife, Summer, is on, on the phone too, but she is still, you know, she just got home. She's not going to talk as much. We'll get, we'll let Matt tell us the story. Start from the beginning, right? Start from the beginning, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Take it from the top. <laughs> so, so on Wednesday, the 4th, Summer had uh, noticed she had a fever, um, had some body aches, wasn't nothing real severe. Um, but she had had a little bit of sinus, con sinus congestion. She thought she may be getting a sinus infection. Well, then Wednesday, the 5th, she was in about the same condition. And then as of uh, Thursday, she had a fever stayed really bad, uh, severe body aches. And she started getting wheezing and tightness in her chest. And I remember she told me, she said, I think I might be getting some pneumonia or something. I've got this pain in my chest and it's wheezing. And I said, well, just keep an eye on it today and we'll see how you feel tomorrow. So, uh, so the next day, she 
woke up and said she had lost her taste and smell. Um, at that point, we had all, the kids had left and went to my parents' house a few days before, and they stayed with them on weekends normally anyway. So they went and stayed with them. And so at that point, we figured we'd just leave the kids there um, just to be safe because we thought it may be the, uh, COVID. So um, well, she stayed here at the house. The, the next morning, she woke up, uh, which was Sunday morning, she woke up and was breathing very fast. And I noticed it when I woke up, how fast she was breathing. And I waited for her to wake up. When she woke up, she said it felt like she had an elephant on her chest and she couldn't breathe. So that morning, I took her to the emergency room. Uh, they took her back right away because of chest pains and did an EKG. And then they said that was fine. So they pulled her back out. I put her in the waiting room. We sat for about two hours. Uh, after about two hours in the waiting room, we finally get back to a room and they told us that they were going to do a COVID test. And if she tested positive, they were going to make me leave the room and leave the hospital. And so Okay, can I interrupt? I'm sorry, Matt. So did they explain why it would be necessary when you've been there the whole time with your wife and you've been with your wife this entire time for the days that she's been sick? I'm sure they know this by now. Why, why did they explain what the reasoning was behind that? So I questioned it and was told it is hospital protocol. Um, several of the nurses were really nice. They said, unfortunately, it's the hospital protocol and there's nothing we can do about it. But that's what they're telling us we have to do. But that's all they would tell. Me. And I said, I told them, I said, well, I've been around her this long. And, you know, I said, if you want me to get a COVID test, that's fine. But I mean, I, I'm not leaving her side. So anyway, so we were in the room, they, they did the COVID test, it came back positive, and the doctor and the nurse had came in. No one had said anything about me leaving yet. So uh, this was probably one or two o'clock. They'd already done an x-ray for chest. They had done the, another, a CAT scan, uh, and I think they'd done a CAT scan about four or five o'clock, but they had done several tests. And the doctor came in about five o'clock after they'd done the CAT scan and told us that the, uh, the results of that looked okay. She didn't have any blood clots, which was good. And she mentioned to me at that time, she said, hey, I'm not going to make you leave because she has COVID because you've been in this room the whole time. She said, but if you leave this room, my nurses will not let, they're not allowed to let you back in. But I'm not going to say anything to you. She says, another nurse or a doctor comes in here and asks you to leave, you will have to leave. And she said, but, I, but like I said, I'm not going to say anything about it. I said, okay. So uh, about nine, nine o'clock that night, they finally come in and, and get us her prescription for some steroids and antibiotics for the pneumonia. And they discharge us. So we, we got home that night. Um, and Summer still felt real bad for several days. Hey, Matt, so, can I interrupt one time? What did they yeah, tell you, though? Didn't you ask them, what do we do? When do we need to come back? Or what do I need to look out for? Oh, yeah. So, so when they discharged us, uh, I asked them, I said, at what point do I know if I need to bring her back in? And the nurse said, uh, they mentioned if, if your fingernails or lips turn blue, or if you cannot make it from one room to the next without, you know, without not being able to breathe. So mm. I, said, oh, I, I, mean, I feel like that is basically saying when she's on death's door. That's, that's too late is what that is. That that's is too late. late. 
two. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I had to interrupt because I wanted, that was really important too, to hear. So go ahead, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> I, I agree. And at the time, you know, not, I do not have any medical background whatsoever. Um, so at the time I had not done any research on this stuff. I didn't know, I didn't even know what your oxygen level should be at. That was, I mean, that's right. That's in informed I was, but so the 9th, 10th and the 11th summer remained in the bed, no improvement. She it kept getting harder and harder for her to breathe. And so on the 12th, uh, summer tried to get up and go to the kitchen that morning, early that morning, I think it was probably four o'clock in the morning and I was still asleep. I sleep pretty heavy. So she got up to go get something to drink and she made it to the kitchen, got her something to drink. And evidently on the way back to the bedroom, she collapsed in the hallway and that woke me up. So I, I got her up, got her to the couch, uh, asked her if she wanted to go to the emergency room. She said, well, just let me lay here a minute. So uh, I left and went to the pharmacy and I got a pulse oximeter. When I got home, I put it on her. Her oxygen was at 74. At this point, I'm still not concerned because I don't even know what your oxygen should be at. So a friend of mine, uh, her mom works in the ER, and she was actually there the day the summer got admitted the first time. So I text her, uh, asked, messaged my friend, asked her for her mom's number. I text her mom and I told her, I said, hey, summer's oxygen's at like 74. Um, should I be concerned? Do I need to get her to the hospital? She collapsed in the hall this morning. And she said, yes, immediately get her to the hospital. So I rushed her to the ER again. Um, and they, when I got there, I got her in a wheelchair, rolled her in, and they asked me to leave. And they took her and put her in this little room, little glass room by herself. I think there may have been one other patient in there that was positive for COVID. But Summer could barely hold her head up. She barely hold herself up in this chair. And they put her in this room and they just... You know, told her just wait, and so I was texting. We were texting back and forth, and I was asking her how she was, and because they wouldn't let me in the hospital at all, because they said I've been exposed, I can't even come into the hospital. So <laughs> I'm sorry. At this point, at this point, she's in this room, and she keeps texting me, telling me she's about to fall out of this chair. She can't hold herself up. So I was about to call the hospital at that point. Somebody came in and she asked them, hey, can I just get on top of this table here and lay down? She said, I can't hold myself up. Well, they, the lady told her, said, well, we're getting a room ready, but let me check your oxygen. They checked it. At that point, they got concerned. And I had told them when I got there that her oxygen was at 74, so, but that didn't raise any alarms to them. Uh, but then when they checked it, they finally went ahead and got oxygen for her, and that helped her some. And within about 30 or 45 minutes, they had her in a room, the same room we were in before, she said. Uh, and then they started running all the exact same tests. Uh, they set her up with an IV, but didn't, didn't set her up with the IV in her arm, but didn't give her any, any fluids or anything. And she stayed, stayed there all day, just doing the same exact test we did the first time. So um, that, after that, that night when I got home, I started doing research, reading, calling, messaging doctors, and, and trying to find anything I could that might that would help her because I was starting to get really concerned. Um, at that point, Summer, they, she messaged me late that night. They moved her up to a room upstairs, and they got her put on oxygen, and I believe that is when they started the remdesivir is the drug that they wanted to use. 
and they put her they told me that they took her off the antibiotics they said the antibiotics aren't going to help anymore so they took her off the antibiotics um but so the, the following morning you know i found out about this treatment from i believe some, one of my friends out of texas sent me a video of another uh couple uh, uh, two girls who their mother had was the same exact way summer was but was declined even worse and they fought and they actually had to get an attorney and get court orders to get the ivermectin treatment uh, well then i found that on that video they talked about the flccc.net which mm-hmm. is the frontline covid 19 critical care alliance and it's a group of doctors that have come together and they put a whole protocol together for treatment of covid 19 and several of the doctors have told me that they've had 95% success rate using this treatment. Yeah, and I'll and I will say, Matt, that's the treatment I've been on as well. That the the uh, ivermectin protocol it was prescribed for me. Um, finding doctors that will prescribe it, I, I, my understanding is that is not easy. But that, thank God, I did know because of all the research that Kristen, Amy, and I have done. Um, regarding this, I knew exactly what I would do the minute I thought I had COVID. And I had mm-hmm. the exact symptoms that Summer had, the body aches, the fever, the, am I getting a sinus infection? But I knew in my gut day one, I was like, oh, I, I got COVID. I, I know mm-hmm. I have it. <clears throat> and I started that and it took me about five days to kick it to where I felt more normal again. Um, but I thank God that I knew this because I have done the research and um, and and just decided I was going to be proactive when I opted to not get the vaccine. So if you don't mind me asking, had Summer been vaccinated? No, we are we are completely against this vaccine, and I'm against the va- I was against this vaccine before this because of some other stuff I read and being it's a trial program, it's not FDA approved, and then. Some of the research I'd found where this is not like a traditional vaccine. It's a it's made with a spike protein, uh, HIV spike protein, and and just things that I'd read just didn't add up. So I've been completely against the vaccine from the beginning. And and do you still feel that? So I would say I didn't have Summer's experience, but I've told people like I'm I, I still stand by my decision to not have it. I I looked into it just like you did, and and spoke with a doctor. I have a current medical condition that also probably precludes me from getting it, but I just did not, like you, did not feel confident. I wanted to roll the dice and say, I'll take my chances getting COVID and treating COVID. Um, Would Summer still say that she's glad she did not get it? Yes, we are both 100% glad we had not gotten the vaccine. Um, Just a side note, you know, my grandma had the vaccine and Within a few days of getting the, the, I can't remember which one she got. I think she got the Moderna. Her right side. Oh. Uh, okay, wait. Right. That that went out for just a second. So what happened with days within days of getting the Moderna? Say that again. So my grandmother had a severe stroke and was and has been paralyzed on her right side since uh, just days after getting the Moderna. Yeah. Um, and. and- and that is not unco- that has been a side effect that we do know has been documented. We should say. But what, but what were you saying about the doctors, Matt? Did they? The doctors have, 
went the whole time she was in the hospital. She stayed in the hospital for two months, and the doctor swore up and down that it must have been another condition. It couldn't have been related to the Moderna, um, and, and it was it was just a nightmare. And she still have it. I mean, she's paralyzed on her right side, and it's and she's in her eight. So it's it's tough for her to do anything now. Wow. But. Matt, we're so sorry to hear that. And I will say that I have another friend who could tell a very similar story that happened with her mom. Unfortunately, her mom did not make it. But um, I, I can tell you that you're not alone in the number of family members who are coming forward with very similar stories. So it's worth noting. Um, okay, sorry for interrupting that. Yes, yes, so keep going because he's got a lot of good stuff. And not, I mean, bad stuff, but good stuff for people to hear. <laughs> good, bad stuff, whatever. So the... Um... Then once I found out about this treatment, which was uh, on the 13th, I had done a bunch of research, watched a bunch of videos, testimonials from other people, uh, and, I, and people all over the country because I've got friends in multiple states because I used to travel for work. And so people were sending me these videos and testimonials. And so I, doing more and more research, and I found out about the ivermectin, the fluvoxamine, the full treatment protocol. Well, at that time, I, everybody had talked about how hard it was to get doctors to prescribe it. So, um, I myself, uh, I guess you could say I'm crazy. I took some of the ivermectin that I've got here for my dogs that I give them for heartworms. <laughs> I started taking it myself, yeah, just testing it to see if I was going to have side effects. Uh, because if I could not get the prescription medication for my wife before she. Before that, I let her get too bad. I was going to do whatever it took to get this into the hospital to her. Okay. Um, so I took the ivermectin that I had on the shelf, which I can't recommend taking something that's not approved for humans, but <laughs> I did it myself. And, um, and so after taking the ivermectin, I had no side effects whatsoever. Um, and also one of the guys that works for me, he called me. He had symptoms were starting to get severe. He came to the house and he said, I want to try it. So he took some of the ivermectin. His symptoms cleared up the next day. Every one of them, he was fine. And then he got tested two days later again. He tested positive, took the ivermectin the following day. And two days later, tested again and tested negative. Wow. So, and that, was, that happened with a girl who works for us as well, where she had gone about two weeks without treatment. The doctors just said, kind of what you said, Matt, just go to the emergency room if you can't breathe. Um, Paul and I were able to get her the protocol after about two weeks and within three days she was feeling like herself again so we certainly have a testimonial that sounds very similar okay continue go ahead and at, at this point I just reckon I don't recommend going to the hospital unless you absolutely need oxygen because the hospital does not want to prescribe this treatment I recommend reaching out to one of these doctors who will prescribe it over the phone or via a, a zoom call so that you can get the treatment you need but so summer summer was steadily declining and i'd called so on the uh, i found out about it i called up to the hospital to talk to the doctor the nurse said that she will have the doctor call me uh, that was on the 13th the 14th I, no, so that was the 12th the 13th i um call kept calling for two days up there trying to get somebody to call me back well they they never did reach back out to me and I finally called up there and told them that I, I need to speak to the patient advocate. And this was on a Saturday. They told me a patient advocate is not available. 
on the weekends. So I took off and drove up there and got to the hospital at like 11 o'clock that morning. And I told the lady at the front desk who I was and I needed to speak to the doctor, a patient advocate, somebody with patient reluctance, or the hospital administration. Well, they escorted me out of the hospital because they said I had been exposed and I couldn't be inside the hospital. And I told them, I said, well, I'm not leaving until somebody agrees to talk to me. So the lady said, well, if you'll come outside, I promise I'll just, I'll go ahead and call the hospital supervisor and have him come down. I said, that's fine. So I walked outside with her. Uh, she had Rob, the hospital supervisor, come down and talk to me. I told Rob the entire situation. I told him that I wanted this medication administered to my wife. Uh, the day before I went to the hospital, I, one of the doctors that I was dealing with had told me about the Right to Try Act that was enacted in 2018. It says if treatment, uh, approved treatment does not work, you have the right to try unapproved treatments. So, Which is what is going Rob, on with the vaccine. <laughs> so I told Rob that I wanted to try this treatment and that I have the right to try this treatment. I said, me and my wife will both sign waivers, uh, whatever you need us to do. I said, but I want this treatment protocol administered to my wife. He said, well, I'm not the doctor. I can't make that decision, but I will, I will go upstairs right now and try to find that doctor, and I will have him call you right now. I said, well... And he, he asked me if I, he, they acted like they just wanted me to leave. But I told him, I said, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stand right here in front of this hospital. And I'll keep walking back in this hospital until somebody helps me. So within 10 minutes, Robert went upstairs and had Doc call me. Doc called and, and uh, went over Summer's condition, said she's not improving. He's very concerned. Um, said we may have to put her on a ventilator. And I told him that he has no permission to put her on a ventilator by no means that if he put her on a ventilator that i would file suit immediately so he said well he said well if i have to put her on a ventilator then i will i said no i said what you need to do is try this treatment protocol he said well this is not an approved treatment protocol and the hospital's completely against it i said i understand that i said but the law says i have the right to try it. he said well if you'll bring me the drugs i'll administer them I said, I can't get the drugs. They're in the pharmacy. He said, well, the hospital pharmacy is not going to dispense these drugs. He said, I, you know, they, they will not dispense them by no means. I said, well, I've already called a friend of mine who's a pharmacist. He has called around and found all the medication for this protocol at the pharmacy at Walmart in Southport, North Carolina. I have to have a prescription to get it. I said, in the law, like, again, the law says I have the right to try. At that point, the doctor said, well, you may have the right to try it, but that does not mean you can force me to write the prescription. I said, well, how does this law work if I've got the right to try, but the medication's in the pharmacy? I said, I can't go to the pharmacy and just tell them, hey, I've got the right to try this. You're the law and they give it to me. I've got to have the, your, your signature, I said, because she's under your care. And so he finally agreed. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you've already, since you've already found the medication, you've got it on hold at a pharmacy. If you'll give me the information for the pharmacy, I will call it in. You'll have to go get it and bring it back to the hospital for me to administer. He said, like I said, the hospital will not dispense ivermectin for this treatment whatsoever. So that was 
Uh, he explained to you, Matt, why he would not, like he said the hospital wouldn't, but did he give the reasoning why the hospital wouldn't administer the treatment? It, his reason, so that, I'm glad you asked that because he said his reason was because the hospital says that this treatment is not FDA approved for this sickness or COVID-19. <laughs> and neither are, two, neither are any vaccinations, but there's, okay. All right. Well, but they're, they're all, exactly. I, I told him, I said, so you're telling me that you will, you'll stick a needle in somebody with a vaccine that's not FDA approved because the hospital tells you to, but you will not prescribe ivermectin because it's not FDA approved. I said, so your argument doesn't stand. You're contradicting yourselves. Right. And this is actually an FDA approved drug that's been approved for decades, just not, but, quote, but for not this, for COVID. COVID. Exactly. Right. So, but I told him his argument didn't stand because you're you're pushing something that's not FDA approved at all for mm. any treatment, <laughs> but you won't do something that's FDA approved for one treatment, but not FDA approved for this treatment, and so you won't prescribe. I said that it doesn't. I said you, you, it's an oxymoron at this point. Yes, Matt. One more time before before you get to when you actually got the prescription, had you talked? And maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I just didn't want to miss out on this. Had you talked to the doctors from the Critical Care Co Alliance at this point? Didn't you have a Zoom meeting with them, or is this when you had to go get get to them? So I had not uh, been contacted back by them yet. Now there okay. was a doctor that I reached out to. Um, I, I don't want to mention his name because he he gave me a lot of information via Facebook Messenger, uh -huh. but he. He asked me, he specifically asked me not to use his name. He said, I contract a lot of work with these hospitals. Any using of my name could could jeopardize my career. Well, we don't want to do that. Um, I just, I was just wondering. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to mention his name, but that's the only doctor I've been talking to so far that gave me a lot of information. He's the one that informed me of the laws that stated uh, the Right to Try Act and told me I needed to speak to the patient advocate right. and, and worst case scenario to go to the hospital administration. Well, I just remember you saying that because that's where you learned a lot about this and he really helped you with this. So that's amazing. So kudos to him. And we definitely don't want to get him in trouble because we want him to keep on doing what he's doing. <laughs> so, uh, so after, uh, I'm trying to remember where I was. <laughs> um, you were just saying that you, you, the doctor, you told the doctor, it's an oxymoron for you to say you can't administer a non-FDA approved drug, but you're injecting people with these vaccines. That doesn't make sense. But he basically said, since you can get this drug, you can get ivermectin from this pharmacy, go get it and I'll administer it to it. Is that where we were? Correct. Yes. Correct. So and what was she on as far as oxygen at that point? Because they had already said that she, if she was getting any worse, she would be, they were, they were considering the ventilator. 15 liters. Okay. 15 liters. They had, they had the machine maxed out. Least yeah. Okay. So, um, so at 2.30, uh, Doc called me back. He said, hey, I've called in the prescription for you at the pharmacy you told me about. He said, uh, they should have it uh, ready here soon. You need to go get it. He said, but I'm going to come down and, um, and leave some RX cards at the front desk. And I said, well, I'm sitting right out front. He goes, oh, if you're still here, I'll just bring them to you. So came out front met with me gave me the rx cards and at this point we had another conversation and and i was pleading with him and, and questioning why why they would 
they're so against this treatment that's been proven to work. And then we talked about the vaccine. The doctor told me that he said, well, I'm scared for my job. He said, because on the 15th of next month, I'm probably not going to have a job. He said, because I will not get the vaccine. And this is something the doctor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. All right. Sorry. Hold on. Hold on. So this doctor who would not give you the ivermectin that you're begging for, that you know, that you, you, you could definitely, I mean, all of us can show the, the studies that have shown that ivermectin can work, right? We're not calling it the wonder drug, but we're saying it's had high effect, uh, uh, efficacy uh, in, this, in the studies that have looked at it. Um, and, and this same doctor that you're talking to comes out and, and, and tells you, I'm not getting the vaccine and I might lose my job because I'm not going to get it? Correct. And he had already told my wife this. She mentioned it to me later and kept saying he had conversation with her. He's worried about his job because he's not getting the vaccine. He's completely against it. Um, you know, he's, he's seen the side effects of it and he's scared of it. And, and I just want to point out, this is a doctor treating COVID every damn day, right? Like this is a, a doctor treating COVID who says, I'm, I'm more scared of the vaccine than I am COVID. Is that, would that be fair to say? I, I agree. Okay. And so at that point, I asked him, I said, so if you're so against the vaccine, why are you, I mean, you, you're the MD, you're the, the physician that prescribes what these patients need. And he said, yeah, but I, I can't go against the hospital protocol. And it was just, it kind of just blew my mind at that point of the stance that he had. But I was thankful that he had agreed to prescribe the ivermectin. I mean, so grateful. So yes. grateful. Yes. So uh, he, 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 it just kind of blew my mind. So he gave me the RX cards. Um. And I went to go get the prescription. He said, if you'll get it and get back to me, I will go ahead and administer it. Uh, so I, I went and got the prescription. I got there uh, about sometime about 2.45, 3 o'clock, got back to the hospital as quick as I could, got the medicine to Rob. I went to the front desk, and Rob had said, whenever you get back with it, because he had called me to check in, and he said, when you get back with it, Call me. I will come down and get it and take it right up to the. He take it to the pharmacy, which blew my mind. So I'm going to get medication, and they they give it to the pharmacy that would not dispense the medication. Same medication they've got in there, they won't dispense to this patient. But if I go get it, hand it to them, then they'll dispense it to this patient. It just blows my mind. Oh my god! So he took it to the pharmacy. The pharmacy got the medication up to uh, the nurse and she took her first dose sometime between sometime around four o'clock that night or that evening. Uh, by 8 p.m. that evening, she called me smiling and said she felt she already started like some of the, the weakness and aching had went away and they dropped her oxygen to 12 liters from 15 liters. So in a matter of four hours, she started to improve from taking one dose. So the I mean, next, go ahead. I just, I mean, I think right there again, you know, you can, you can say what you want, but within hours that she's smiling and that they can, you can clinically prove she needs less oxygen already. Right. That's pretty remarkable. 
So she stayed on 12 liters throughout the day. Um, she felt much better. Um, but and my wife does suffer from mild depression. So later that night, she started to get depressed again, get sad. But I mean, she still felt better, but she just, she just was ready to get out of the hospital. She'd been there for so many days and being isolated in a room like a prisoner. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just. I would no be depressed anyway, her. right there. Yeah. And at this point, she had been in the hospital for days and still had not even taken a bath. She finally begged them for a toothbrush and they brought her one like eight hours later. But, you know, she begged them to let her take a bath and they wouldn't. And it was just, she was miserable. So uh, Dr. Faircloth the next morning came in and checked on her. And at, by the next morning, he dropped her oxygen to eight liters. So... <laughs> She's steadily improving at this point, and she took her second dose of the medication. Uh, the next day, new doctor, uh, he was assigned, and I started calling up there to get, get updates. The nurse said that they had dropped oxygen um, to four liters that morning, the following morning. So the third day, they dropped oxygen to four liters. I called all day to get updates to try and speak to the doctor. I wanted to, you know, they'd already said if she got to two to three liters, she could have oxygen and come home. So the doctor, uh, nobody seen her all day that day after the nurse came in that morning. Um, the, the doctor finally, so she had, the doctors had told her she was not in critical condition, so she didn't need to be seen uh, as much. So they just kind of left her alone. So by 4.30 that evening, the doctor had still not come in to see Summer. And I was starting to get furious. So I started to call back up and request the supervisor. Uh, I was told at that point I could not talk to the supervisor, um, that she wasn't available. And so I called and spoke to the nurse again. And I told the nurse, I said, I need an update from this doctor immediately. I said, he started his rounds at 730 in the morning. I said, now he does not spend, he has never spent more than five minutes with my wife, any of the doctors. I said, so I know the hospital has a lot of patients, but five minutes with each patient starting at 7.30 in the morning and it's 4.30 in the evening, he should be, he should have made his rounds to her by now. He's already, I've already been told by the nurse that he's been on the floor twice, but he has skipped over her room because she was not critical. So finally, closer to five o'clock, Doc comes in, sees Summer. And I told her, I said, you tell him when he sees you that he better call me. And I told the nurse the same thing. They had been sending him messages, but he never called back. Well, surprisingly, that evening about 6 o'clock, doctor called me. And he told me, he said, Summer's looking great. Her lungs sound great. I've dropped her to three liters of oxygen. I said, okay, that sounds good. I said, go ahead and get her discharge paperwork set up. Get her some oxygen. I'm on the way to get her. He said, well, no, we need to keep her another day. I want her to keep, say, on the full treatment of the remdesivir. I said, I don't want the remdesivir. I told the doctor to take her off of the remdesivir. I don't know why she's still on it. I want the treatment protocol that I gave Dr. Fairclaw from the FLCCC. That's all I want. He said, well, even if I wanted to, he said, at 6 o'clock in the evening, I can't, couldn't even get the oxygen and stuff, you know, ready for her to be able to go home today. And I, and I was starting to get furious. I said, this is ridiculous. I said, but I've got another question for you that you probably won't answer. 
I said, Dr. Rex, I said, you have seen this treatment work for my wife. I said, now, you went into that room and talked to my wife. While you were in there, you mentioned to her that there was a gentleman in the room beside her that was the same age, and he has kids the same age as my kids. I said, you told her that you think he's going to die today. I said, if that's the case, why in the world are we not giving this treatment to him when you've seen it is proven? Summer is living proof that it works. And I said, it may not work for everybody, but it is worth a try, and it's working better than anything you guys are doing. He said, well, it's about money. Whoa, he said it's about money? I said, what do you mean it's about money? He said, well, the hospital's got a protocol set in place that they're going to make the most money off of. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, he said, but, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I have to follow the hospital protocol. I said, Dr. Richley, so you're telling me that these people are under your care, but you don't get to decide. You're not, you don't get to be the physician to decide what medications they get. He said, no, I have to follow the hospital protocol. I said, well, if that's the case, I could come do your job. I could look at a chart that says for COVID, you give them this. For flu, you give them this. I said, I can do your job. You don't need an MD. I mean, and he said, well, there's, no, there's nothing I can do about it. I just have to do what the hospital tells me to do. What about the Hippocratic Oath? First, do no harm. That I is mean, he's killing me. Oh. Where is the moral courage? Like, where's the moral courage to go save someone's life? I think that, I'm, I mean, listen, I'm not envying these doctors and nurses in this position, but in this situation, based on the way you've described it, Matt, it just begs the question, where's the moral courage and fortitude to go say, we need to do all we can to save this man's life. Screw the protocol. We oh. Don't lives matter? No, this is what we've been telling y'all from the beginning of this podcast. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the money trail. You will find yes. where the power is. You will find who's in control. And it's not your MD. It's not your doctor. It is It is absolutely the people who pay the bills. Oh. All right. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. It's just people are trusting these doctors. And they the doctors don't care. But so anyway, the doctor, after he told me that, I told him, I said, well, I'm going to tell you what. I said, I will be there. I said, shift changes at 730 tomorrow. I said, you're leaving at 7.30 this evening. You'll be back at 7.30 tomorrow morning. I said, I'm going to be there shortly after you arrive. And you better, I said, it better not happen the way it did today where it was 4.30 before she was seen. I said, because she does not need to be in that bed. She does not need to be in that room like a prisoner any longer. I said, she's been over five days. She hasn't even had a bath. And she is miserable. I said, this, this is uncalled for. I said, so I'm going to I will be there first thing in the morning. And so the next morning, I wake up at 7.30 and I head down there. I called the nurse on the way and I told her, I said, hey, uh, I need you to talk to Dr. Reshley. I need to, uh, he needs to go ahead and see Summer because she doesn't need to be there. That that bed can be given to somebody else who needs it more. Right. She could have been discharged last night when they're sitting here saying these beds are full and, you know, nobody can get in. I mean, she could have been discharged the night before and, and opened that bed. Because they're not doing their job. But so anyway, I, uh -oh. they told her I was coming. Are you there? She said, okay, there we go. can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just blipped out for a second. 
so but I went down the next morning, called the nurse on the way, and I told her that uh, I wanted Summer out of there. She said, well, I've got to get with Dr. Schley. I said, well, he needs to get in there and see her immediately. I said, I had to get the hospital supervisor and customer relations lady involved to get her the treatment that I got for her. I said, if I have to do that to get her out of that place, then I'll do the same thing. I said, I'm, I'll be down there within the hour. I said, so you've got an hour to get this information over to him. She said, well, I probably won't see him until an hour. I said, well, you need to text him or call him. So I got to the hospital, went to the front desk, and they kept telling me, well, you know, you just go home and, and we'll call you when she's ready to be discharged. I said, no. I pulled my truck into the little canopy right out front, and that's where I parked it. And I told him, I said, my truck's sitting right out there in front of these front doors. I said, that truck will not move until my wife is discharged and in. So security, they sent security out there three or four times and told me to move my truck. I said, my truck will move when my wife is in it. So the nurse finally called me back. She said, Dr. Red's on the way up to see Summer. So Dr. walked in, checked her lungs, and said, took, oh, and I skipped the part. The night, she was on three liters that night. That night, she got aggravated with the tubes, took them off and watched the monitor and oxygen didn't drop. So she took the, the oxygen off, slept in the bed with no oxygen all night. Mm. So she didn't even need the oxygen. So the next morning when he came in and checked her, and checked her lungs and she didn't have oxygen on, he said, well, you're good to go home. And he started to discharge paperwork, and about an hour later, they finally brought her down to me. Um, but wow, and she's been her. I've kept an hour of oxygen ever since. And it's, you know, if she gets up and does some anything strenuous, you know, it'll drop down to 90, 92. But resting, it stays at 96 percent. Now, is she and okay? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Is she still doing the protocol? Like, is she still on the ivermectin? And I also wanted to see when you said the fluvoxamine, when you gave them that protocol, did they actually follow that? Did they only give her ivermectin? Did they do the other, you know, because even in the yes. hospital protocol, did they do like the, the vitamins, the supplements, you know, that kind of stuff too? Yes. The mom uh, told me, he said, the, I, I can't dispense that ivermectin. That's the only drug I had to go get from the pharmacy. He said, everything else here I can get my hands on. And he said, I will follow the protocol just the way it says. Because I text him the full protocol from FLCCC. Okay. And, and at that point, he told me he was familiar with it. Now, in the remdesivir, oh, well, that's awesome that he was familiar with it. And isn't that sad that he is and he still couldn't and wouldn't do it because of his job? So... One, one thing I meant, didn't say in the conversation earlier that I had with him, when he came down and we talked, he did mention, he said, well, I have gave ivermectin to one other patient with no success. Mm. And I said, well, how bad was that patient? He said, well, they were already on, uh, they were on the ventilator and we didn't expect them to make it through the night. We, I gave him a dose of ivermectin, which he didn't say how much the dosage was or if he gave me any of the other stuff off the protocol. He just said he tried to ivermectin and they died that night. Right. Um, so he had one patient that he gave one dose to and didn't see. That was already on the vent. Uh, I mean. <laughs> yeah. At that point, you know. I mean, right. There's been cases that I, from what I've read where they turn around even on the ventilator if you get this in them. But uh, I mean, it's no, it's and I'm, I'm my heart. yeah, I know it's sad, but the but the main no, thing that they keep driving home, the main point that they keep driving home with this ivermectin is that 
it really is the most effective early prevention, early treat, early treatment, and early outpatient treatment. Like that's when it like because that's when the virus is replicating the most is in the very beginning. So you want to stop that virus replication. So you know, I'm so glad that she has had success with that. And you know, to continue because they also help. It can help with the long hauler syndrome too. You know. So that's yeah. So she's still because she's so weak and and because I think they let it get so bad. Mm -hmm. um, she she may I will keep her on the ivermectin. Uh, the doctor, uh, one of the consultations I did over Zoom said for the long haulers, you know, you may need to do this dosage, the same treatment for 10 days versus five to make sure you don't have any relapse if it, if it has gotten bad enough before you started the treatment. Right. So, um, but getting back to after she started the treatment, uh, which was a Saturday, that Saturday, that Sunday, I got a call from one of the doctors out of Florida that I'd reached out to. They called me on a Sunday, did a consultation for Summer over the phone through me. And I told them she was in the hospital and everything. And they said, well, um, I, but I told them, I said, she's already got the treatment. I fought for it. And I was able to get the doctor to do it. And they said, well, do you still need this? And I'd already paid $250 for this consultation. I said, well, yes, I, I'd, like, I'd like to go ahead and get it. I said, you know, I want to have it on hand if something happens to her again, I, I, that way I've got it. Because they say they'll do it for preventative or for, uh, for prophylaxis or for post, I mm -hmm. mean, for if you're sick. So uh, they agreed and they prescribed, called in the prescription to a pharmacy down the road here. And I went and picked it up Monday. Well, Monday at 12 o'clock, I'd, I'd already paid for another consultation when I first started all this stuff. And I think I paid $300 for that consultation. Dang, that there's some other ones that are cheaper, by the way. I'll have to give you those. <laughs> well, I paid $300 for a consultation from one of the doctors off of the FLCCC. Mm -hmm. And it took, we started it at 12 o'clock. And all the information he gives, it took two and a half hours to get through everything. Mm. And with was talking about using nebulizers with food grade peroxide and albuterol added to it. Um, the vitamins that you need to take to, just to keep your immune system up. It's, it was a lot of information, a lot of good information. And in my opinion, it was worth every penny to $300. That's I, awesome. I no That's but, awesome. But he also prescribed another treatment of the same thing. I'd already paid for it. He said, well, he prescribed it and he even gave it me refills on it. Um, so at this point, I went to yesterday, I went to get it filled at Walmart. And, and I took the prescription in from, this is for me. This is for prophylaxis right. for me. Mm -hmm. And so I took it to Walmart and uh, this, the pharmacist looked at me and said, you've got COVID and you don't have a mask. <laughs> I said, I don't have COVID. I said, this is for prophylaxis. He says, I can't feel that. He said, it's not approved. What? I said, okay. I said, that's fine. I said, if you won't feel it, that's fine. So I called my friend who was the pharmacist at Walmart for some time. <laughs> who helped me find this medication um, at the Walmart pharmacy. And I was told that the managers for the pharmacy are telling them not to fill these prescriptions. Oh my God. Uh, he Whoa. Said, and this is a Walmart in Southport, North Carolina. Is that correct? That's the one I got filled at. The, the one I tried to get this one filled at was the Walmart in Leland, North Carolina. Okay. The noted, noted Leland. We got you. And you know what? I don't think you told us just so we can have it here. What, what hospital she was at, where all of this Novant. happened. Hmm? Novant, Brunswick County. Right. 
And Novant is, is uh -huh. yeah, okay. Good to know that too. Right. Oh. So I took the prescription. They had faxed it over to Walmart. He wouldn't fill it. So I took the printed prescription. I had that with me as well. And I took it to a, a small little uh, pharmacy over in Wilmington that's not related to any of these big chains. And he agreed to fill it. Uh, the Regalwood Mutual Drug out here, they, they had filled the prescription for me the day before and, or a couple of days ago. And they were actually out of the medication. So I was taking, just trying to find a different pharmacy because. I want to have it on hand that way yeah. I've got it for any of my family members if anything happens. Well, you saw how hard it was to jump through hoops to get it. So, I mean, it's so much better to go ahead and have it. But, I mean, oh, my gosh. Yeah, but she's but, home now, right? We know she's home, and I know she's, she's still home. not 100% for sure, but at least she's home and out of the freaking hospital and off oxygen. But right? you, know, you never got sick, Matt? No. So, I believe that I that my, I'd gotten it at one point. Uh, because right after Summer got sick, I didn't pay it no attention, but and it didn't kind of click to me that because I still felt like I had my taste. Uh, but I I've always got a problem with smell to start with. Like I can't smell anything. <laughs> my wife she, she does Summer does, sells the Scentsy wax warmers and <laughs> and, the, uh, and all the stuff and and I can't some some of the stuff's real strong and I can smell it, but a lot of times there's scents. Stuff that I can't smell anything. So <laughs> I was trying. The only reason I, I think, looking back, that I I may have contracted it was I had uh, tried to, to find out what fuel, what I had in two fuel cans, whether it was gas or diesel, and I was smelling both of them to put some fuel in one of my machines, and I could not tell to save my life. Right. Yeah. But it didn't it didn't hit me at the time, and after she tested positive, I was I looked back and I thought, well, maybe I did have a little bit of it then, but you know I. You know, I never had any other symptoms. Well, and the I good news is y'all have natural immunity now. <laughs> y'all got it for well, a while. Well, I think it's worth noting that it has been um, explained by several virologists that we've been reading and following that they do believe that approximately 100 million Americans or more do have natural immunity to COVID now, many of whom never exhibited real symptoms, Matt. So it is there is always this chance that, like you said, you did have it. You were not very symptomatic. Your body fought it off. And certainly you getting the ivermectin, I'm sure, didn't hurt. Um, but, you know, it's like Kristen said, our hope and prayer for you and Summer, and just like it is for uh, my husband and I since we've now had it. I mean, we're just thankful that as far as they know, the latest studies show at least eight months of uh, immunity. And the most, the study out of Israel is showing that it is the most robust immunity is to have actually contracted it and fought it off. Um, mm -hmm. And that we are the ones that do, I don't know why this isn't being more of a part of the conversation, but we are the ones creating herd immunity. Um, you know, that the people that have had it, that is, this is how we get through this is we get through it, we fight it and we beat it. So right. I'm so I'm so happy and so thankful to hear that Summer is doing better and that you guys have the right tools in place to help her make a complete recovery. Yes. Matt, thank you so much for sharing with us. Do y'all yes, have anything you. else to add or Summer or anything or y'all good to go? I know we've kept y'all for a little bit, but thank you so much. No, I just, my, my goal is to try to get the information to as many people as I can. And that's our goal too. So thank you, you sharing your story. I hope we'll give more people to have courage and even the knowledge about this protocol. Because even with you posted on Facebook, you see that like so many people don't even don't even know about it, you know. And even though we have like looked into it, and you didn't know about it until a few days into her having this, so 
just all the knowledge you use you, you learned just keep sharing just keep sharing it's like just keep swimming just keep swimming <laughs> <laughs> and matt, matt congratulations for being the advocate for your wife you know oh my god and i was gonna say yeah that's like a true love story like I <laughs> well and we did a we did a podcast called what the hell several weeks ago where we talked about the importance of being your own health advocate and being an advocate for your family members. But I think we just got a glimpse of an example of what it's like working within the medical system now. Who's really in charge? It's not who you think. And that's why it's more important than ever that as Americans, um, we take control of our health. We practice preventative medicine. We, 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 we all need to make sure we're in good health right now. That is, that's, that's one of the biggest things to fight this. But that, God forbid, any of us get sick that we are the advocates to go to work, learning what we need to know, because we cannot sadly trust that everybody's going to give us what we need to get well. Right. What were you going to say, Matt? You were, you were... One thing I wanted to mention is I had a, uh, a nurse reach out to me last night and she was at the hospital when, my, when Summer was in there and she didn't see Summer, but one of her friends uh, was one of the nurses and told her she was very concerned for Summer when she was in there. She didn't you know, didn't didn't see that there was going to be any positive outcome. She was really nervous. Well, the nurse told me she said was telling me that the nurses and doctors in the hospital have put this barrier in their mind. And if you are unvaccinated, she said they give you the the coldest treatment. She said a lot of the nurses are doing that, and it's become it's actually uh, put a wall up between those who are against the vaccination, even within the hospital, and those who are not. And she said a lot of the nurses have already caved and took the vaccination. Uh, but those of us who have not taken the vaccination, you know, we're, we're looked down on and they're treated horribly. And the patients that come in that are not vaccinated, she told me, she said a lot of the nurses and doctors, if you're not vaccinated, they do not give you the same treatment. And they will, they treat you horribly. And this is a nurse telling you this from her firsthand experience. Is that right, Matt? This is a nurse that does not know me. She just messaged me last night and went to, to uh, tell me that she was glad Summer's doing okay. She had been following the story as, as one of her best friends was Summer's one of Summer's nurses. And unfortunately, thank the Lord, Summer had a lot of great nurses. Summer only had one nurse that was very ill towards her and ill towards me on the phone. Um, but all the other nurses that Summer had were amazing. Oh, um, love to hear that. Even that, you know, I had to fight Dr. Faircloth to do what he did. I, I do, I'm thankful for Dr. Faircloth because uh, several of the nurses and that I've talked to and just people that work in the ER that I know have told me, said if you had a different doctor, you might not have been able to get somebody to do it. The doctor, Reshley, when I... He had mentioned, I didn't mention this earlier, when we were having that conversation, and I told him that Dr. Faircloth agreed to do this, and he said, well, that's good. He said, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Uh. So he pretty much told me he would have let my wife die. Woo. I mean, you know, this is something, honestly, Matt, when they <laughs> do that survey in the mail, because I know oh, they yeah. will, and when you get that patient advocate line, you need to tell them all. And honestly, Matt, I want to send this podcast to them. And I'm going to say, I want you to know this story is going to be out there. And this is with the whole Novant system because Novant 
is with like in that aren't they with charlotte too i know they're with new hanover well, right i mean we would love to have them on to to give their side of this story if they'd like to we'll we'll absolutely have them on i'd love to have that conversation <laughs> and ever pop some popcorn but matt you do i like i said just uh I think you need to still like have a talk with the supervisor and management. I know you have, but like even after this whole experience, but thank you so, so much for sharing. I mean, after going through all that, like seriously, as I'm listening to it, I was like, oh, he's such a good husband, like fighting for her. It's so sweet, <laughs> but that's how we should be. And it, well, actually it shouldn't be like that. <laughs> it really shouldn't. It shouldn't have to. It shouldn't have to do that. We, we should be able to trust the doctors. That exactly. They have, they have our best interest in mind, and they're going to do whatever it takes to save our life. But in this case, in the day and age we live in, you can't trust the doctors. And the sad thing is so many of these people out here trust these doctors blindly, and they don't have this information. So they think the doctor did everything they could in their power to save their life, and they just died when that's not the case. And they didn't. Exactly. So, and that's what, you know, it's like, you hate to say that you don't, I mean, of course there are lots of doctors and nurses that you can trust, but it's this kind of stuff that you hear that makes you question everything and it should make everybody question everything, you know? So it just ain't like what it used to be. Um, but thank you so much. Do you want to say anything, Holly? And we'll thank wrap you. it up. Well, Matt, we just want to thank you and for sharing your story. We know that your story is one of of others that we have heard. And it's just, we we are united with you in making sure that this story gets told and that this information gets out there. And we, uh, Summer's gonna be in our prayers um, just for a continued recovery. And we just thank you both for sharing it and for putting it out there for more people to find the information. And we just encourage everybody to do it. Go, the information's there. If you wanna look for it, we're trying to point y'all to the resources to find it. But thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you again next week with another episode. Until then, stay well and just think. See you guys. <laughs>